The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and um, I am so excited to talk to you about um, one of the core subjects in the life of our church. And uh, no matter where you are in the Ecclesia family, uh, you're a part of a family. Uh, you're a part of a biological family. Maybe you're a mother, you're a father, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a brother, you're a sister. And I thought I'd share with you this week about one of the core tenets of our faith at Ecclesia. From the very beginning of the church, and we're gonna talk a lot about this now because we're turning 20 years old. In September, our church will be 20, and it's at those kind of ages that you start to look back and say, what have we believed, and how's that gone for us, and what do we believe about the future, and who do we wanna be? And this is what we've said from the beginning of our church, literally the very first service. Um, that we would know if we were successful as a church, not in the coming years as we got a building or we did this or that or hit certain attendance markers or did certain things even for the world. We have said from the beginning, we'd know that we were a success as a church if we could actually pass on our faith in a tangible way to our kids. Now, part of that is rooted in my story and the fact that my faith was passed on um, but the church that I grew up in, I, I realized as I came into my life as an adult, um, that I had inherited Jesus, but there wasn't much about the life and the rhythms of those churches that I wanted to dedicate my life to. In fact, um, if it came down to being a Christian and having to go to a church like that, I thought I might end up in this awful, difficult place of trying to be a Christian without the church, which by the way, I don't recommend uh, because the church is his body. If you want to know Jesus, you got to be connected to his body. And yet when the body felt really toxic, it was really, really hard. And in my experience, when I looked back, one of the big stumbling blocks as a kid was the way that people treated us when we were in the church. Maybe it was just because it seemed like it was cool to be an adult and adults seemed to have power. And our church seemed to be based on kind of power structures. When I got to church, it felt like all the adults were telling me what to do. You can't do this and don't do that and don't run in the hall and don't, and everything was a don't. And life was filled with rules. And I'm telling you, read Romans and you'll figure this out. Part of what Paul explains to us is if life is based on the rules and the law, all you'll want to do is break the rules. And you'll want to break the rules even more if the way that people are talking to you about the rules just isn't that kind. I remember being at church and people yelled at us a lot. They just weren't, they weren't kind. And we've said from the beginning at Ecclesia, we're gonna be the kind of church that when you see a kid, your voice is gonna change, right? If you gotta say something hard to a kid, our encouragement is sing it to them, right? Say it in a tone that is so warm and friendly that they're like, I really like them. You, anybody have a kindergarten teacher like that that just said, now it's time to tie your shoes. You're like, oh, okay, I think I will. She's, she sung it really nice and really beautiful. And there is no harshness at all in her tone. And when you talk to a kid at Ecclesia, our hope is that you get down on their level and you look them in the eye. And what happens when you do that? One, they can see you, but two, you've said to them, you're really important. I mean, this is the story of Christianity. Christ comes from heaven to earth to come down to us. So when you see a kid, 
You get down and you look at them and you say, I'm so glad to see you. And my hope and prayer from the beginning has been that kids would be the ones telling their parents, we got to go to church this week. Why? Not because we got video games. We don't have any of those. Even our playground's not that great, although I like to get out there and watch the kids swing. The great thing we have going for us at Ecclesia is that people really like kids. And the kids are here and they go, everybody there loves me. Those people, those people are so excited to see me. Whether it's in the kids' ministry or it's kids that decide they want to stay in the service or they want to go get an everything bar from the coffee shop and the baristas love them and see them. Everywhere that a kid goes in our church, I want it to abound with love. Now, I believe, Ecclesia, that these values have to spill outside the church building and into our homes and lives as well. One of the things that I love most when I go to the Holy Land is the experience that our groups share with a Jewish family. We get to go into a local home and eat a Shabbat meal. When Shabbat starts, the world gets really quiet and calm for practicing Jews. And Jews uh, then celebrate this beautiful meal. And there's so much that I love about it. I love the food. I love the wine. They start off and the uh, father of the home, nothing happens until he drinks a whole glass of wine and he drinks that glass of wine and they pray and they wash their hands and they break the bread and they tell the story of the Exodus. But what I love most, and I'll tell you every time it brings tears to my eyes, is they bring their kids in and they, they get really close to them and they whisper a prayer in their ear. And every Friday night, both parents pray for every one of their kids. I don't know when the last time you did that was, but they just tell them they love them and they pray for them. They believe they're a gift from God and they're a blessing. And if you're a kid, and somewhere in the world, our kids have gotten messages. They've gotten messages that some of them believe they're a mistake or they don't belong. And parents and aunts and uncles and church members and when everybody around them tells them, no, you're a gift. You're a gift from God. We love you. The scriptures tell us the greatest gift that God can give us is our children. And so this week, Ecclesia, I just want to invite you to consider the ways that the rhythms of Ecclesia, the values that we have, that we would hold to, would contribute um, to the formation of kids growing up to be remarkable adults. And I think it's important that we contemplate together what kind of adults are we raising as we um, nurture and love and shape these kids. So Ecclesia, imagine with me when we first started. Um, we're starting a church. We, it's going to look really different than other churches. It's, as we go back 20 years, it's really hard to imagine how different Ecclesia was uh, than the landscape that we saw in local churches, the kind of churches I'd experienced. And one of the questions was, what will it be like for our kids to grow up in a church like this? My kids literally grew up uh, in our little building on Taft. My older ones, they lived there in the church building. And that was a crazy place in Montrose 20 years ago. Um, it was filled with activity. A lot of the people we were serving and loving uh, had been living on the streets. A lot of them had some major addictions. Um, and they were like characters out of books to my kids, just beautiful, remarkable people that were struggling well in life. And it just became the norm. We got to walk with and to a lot of people that were working the streets, sometimes were selling themselves uh, to feed their addictions. And for my kids, it just became normal. I'll never forget one of my early rituals with my oldest daughter, uh, Hannah. Many of you remember when you just had one kid, uh, you could do things you couldn't do with multiple kids. And I'd let Hannah stay up so late. Mom would go to bed, we'd stay up watching basketball games. And, goofing around. And then if you remember in those days, there used to be a taco cabana at the intersection of Westheimer and Montrose. And I would wait until 1130 PM because anybody that really knows and loves taco cabana already knows this. They start serving breakfast at 1130 PM. 
And the Eggs Mexicana are literally the best thing you can get at a fast food place. And at 11.30 p.m., I would load Hannah up in the car seat, I'd put her in the back seat, and we'd do a little late night field trip to Taco Cabana. Now, if you're driving through Montrose, um, maybe people don't see that you got a kid in the back seat. And uh, if you were driving around Montrose 20 years ago, you may remember that um, some of the folks that are selling themselves on the street can be pretty aggressive. In fact, uh, one of these nights, uh, a lady literally was getting up in front of our car trying to stop me and was very much trying to reveal uh, the goods that she wanted to uh, offer. I, I got a little kid in the, in the back seat, right? And Hannah's about two years old and I'll never forget Hannah saying, Dad, that lady is so friendly. I thought, yeah, she is really, really friendly. Uh, at that point, right, I'm wondering, like, what am I doing to my kids? I'm raising them here in Montrose, and is this going to scar them forever? And i got to tell you, Ecclesia, I just shared with you a few weeks ago about uh, what we are getting to do in Mexico City as we partner with our brothers and sisters there uh, that are fighting human trafficking. And we're uh, loving men and women that work the streets in Mexico City where prostitution and human trafficking are such a big problem. And I got to watch that same daughter. She's not two anymore, she's 20. And she was giving uh, manicures to some of the women that are working the streets, telling them how beautiful their hands are. She said, Dad, it just felt so natural. This is just what happens when you grow up in life of the church at Ecclesia. She's been to Mexico City with me, to other places like Zambia. This is a nation that she loves, uh, where she will spend multiple summers in her college life uh, serving the children in Zambia. And uh, so much of who she is was shaped by who we are together as a community. And I thought, um, as we think about the way that our community shapes our children, she, as the, uh, she was the third member, she likes to say she was the first, that Lisa and I were the second, uh, and third at Ecclesia, as one of the earliest members of our church, um, how we might think about um, our kids' formation. If I want to say, when I was a baby, I was happy. Pamene nenzeli baby, nenzeli okondwe. Okay. Indiwe okondwela, you're happy. Dine okondwela, I am happy. My name's Hannah C, and I've been at Ecclesia since I was one years old. I love that I had the experience to grow up at Taft. It really, I think, shaped uh, how I see different kinds of people because there are a lot of different kinds of people in our neighborhood. Seeing that up front has really, like, it's influenced what I gravitate towards. It showed me how just to love in like the small rhythms and inviting people in just to enjoy life like along with our family.
It was so fun getting to know each and every one of them, and they really kind of took to me pretty fast, which I was surprised with. They just immediately opened up to me, and we became really close. I just fell in love with it. And even the first time I came here, I mean, I was a newbie, but I just like felt this tug on my heart that like it's not over for you here. I started to learn Yanja last summer when I was on summer staff with Family Legacy. Before that, I just knew the very basic, you know, communication things like, how are you, I love you, those kinds of things um, that most Americans learn. So when I speak to someone in Yanja, it's much different than my reactions with them when I speak in English. I'll say something to them in Yanja, and all of a sudden, like, their face just goes, like blank and they just start talking to me genuinely and they just drop the whole act and all of a sudden we can have like really genuine connection and they don't I feel like they don't treat me as much as I'm this outsider that's kind of exotic they start kind of talking to me like I'm one of them almost as a school chikambuso that I've been working at I've been spending a lot of time with them learning Nyanja, and so I'll go from class to class, um, helping the teachers, assisting them with anything, um, and just learning from their Nyanja lessons. And in fourth grade specifically, we sit down, and I have five students who have tutored me for every day for the past couple of weeks. Ella is getting better because also I want to know how to speak Nyanja. She's a good student because her when we ask her questions is get is answering the questions correct. Taking on the personality of a learner um, really helps me approach people in a way that doesn't feel like I'm trying to save them. It really feels like we're here and we both have stuff to offer each other and we're learning and growing together. And um, as I work and grow and work really hard on my nyanja, um, they also feel like they're giving me something, and they are, and it's just really priceless. I want to become or try my best to be like one of them um, and engage in their culture and engage in their daily lives before I have anything to offer. The way I've realize that I best serve them is just by being there to listen and not in, in listening, then being vulnerable with myself too. Being in those really vulnerable situations and conversations and relationships is where I've realized that it's encouraging to each other and we're walking together in the hard stuff. Being open with them has let me serve them in a really different way. So Ecclesia, a few of you have been around long enough to really watch Hannah and my other kids grow up from the time they were little kids and babies. Uh, I'm sure it brings a tear to your eye the way it brings one to mine to see uh, the young people that God is shaping them to become. And uh, I'm praying that together our most important work would be loving and forming our kids in God's own image. One of my favorite passages that reminds us of our posture towards children comes in Matthew 18. The disciples have been bragging about who's the best, right? 
just like you would on your seventh grade B team basketball team, right? And you're like, who's the best? I'm the best. No, I think he's the best. I'm the best. They're, they're literally, it, it seems so immature, and yet that's what they're doing. And ultimately, they're like, well, we'll let Jesus decide. Jesus, right? In the kingdom of God, who's the greatest? And it tells us in Matthew 18 that Jesus called over a little child, and he put his hand on top of the child's head. And he tells them, this is the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In that kingdom, the most humble, who are most like this child, are the greatest. And whoever welcomes a child, welcomes her in my name, welcomes me. And do not, he says, lead astray one of the weak and friendless who believes in me. If you do, it would be better if you were dragged down with a millstone and drowned in the bottom of the sea. Now that's pretty strong language for Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but a drowning seems like about the worst way you could die. And Jesus says like, like that would be, it would be better to be drowned in the sea than to mislead or influence poorly a child. And so at Ecclesia, we have said where we want to live into these rhythms, we want to invite our kids to live into these rhythms with us. If you're new to Ecclesia, you may or may not know that we have these rhythms that we've said, these are going to be things, practical things that we do each week. We said, we're going to be a people that are real. We're going to be a people that are kind. We want to be a people that are hospitable. We want to seek beauty. We want to seek God. And we want to serve others. Now, there's so much to cover in all of those. Um, to be real as a parent is a really important thing, right? It means that we demonstrate in front of our kids that we fail. It means we often are the ones to go to our kids and say, I'm really sorry, I blew it. Um, it's hard to do as a parent. Um, parenting's hard, life is hard. Uh, but being real about our faults and our failures is so important. All of these rhythms are helpful. Being hospitable in the way we serve others in our home, it's, it's a gift, right? If our kids grow up around different kinds of people and our table is open. But I think particularly kids see wonder and awe and beauty in ways that it expands their imagination and their worldview. Um, and as a church, everything we do in our kids' ministry, everything we do as families, we want to build on their love for beauty. That's why art's important from the time you're a kid. One of the great goals of raising our kids well at Ecclesia is that our kids would believe they're artists for their whole life. Often what happens in the church and the education system is that you go to kindergarten, you ask them, who's an artist here, right? Everybody raises their hands by the time they get to third fourth fifth sixth grade and up fewer and fewer kids raise their hand and say they're an artist and we want to say to all of our kids theologically we believe that you're an artist you're created in the image of God to co-create with God which means we are all artists we are all creatives and the more we see of beauty the more it transforms our heart and our mind I get so encouraged when I hear stories from Ecclesians that are living into these rhythms well um, our dear brother Edward Sanchez and his wife Amy uh, are on staff they're a part of our story team but I love hearing stories from the two of them Amy He's a gifted artist, but the, the lens that she sees the world and the way that she invites her boys into that is such a gift. And I would love to share just a glimpse into their creative beauty seeking life with you. So my tie with art and the ocean water is something that I'm still unpacking and trying to understand myself. I think that everyone has something that maybe they're inexplicably 
drawn to or attracted to. Um, for me, it's, it's the ocean, it's the water. And it always has been, well before I became an artist. The ocean is just sort of a catalyst for my creativity, you know? It's just, it's really just, it's no different for me than when someone goes into a prayer closet, you know, and they just shut out the world and they just sit there quietly with God and they just listen. Like, the ocean is my prayer closet, I guess. It's just where I go to, to listen and to be heard. Amy and I first met in Waco, Texas. She was at Baylor. She was in art. She was in art school there. When I met him, he was playing in about three or four different bands. I would go to shows and see him there, you know, or he'd go to an art opening and see me there. We kind of had that mutual love of art before we had any kind of love for each other. <laughs> so I think it's just something really special that we shared. Seeking beauty is kind of an endless pursuit for me. I never feel closer to God than when I'm creating. You know, if you start at the beginning of the Bible, it's the first thing that you hear about God, right, is that He is a creator. I mean, when I started realizing myself as an artist, is that being creative, for me, that's part of being made in the image of God, is that we are creators just the way that He is a creator. You know, before we had kids, we, we had some friends who, a lot of friends who had kids before us, and, and they, they would always tell us, you know, when you have kids, a lot of people totally change their lifestyle for their kids. Um, and in some ways, that's good, right? But I think more of what they were getting at was, we are kind of on this trajectory that God is in path, that God has us on. And when we have kids, we're inviting them in to what God's already doing in our life. Yeah, sometimes it is kind of a crazy house, you know. My wife and I are both working artists, and so, and we have two sons, and they are cavemen, but also really amazing and lovable at the same time. When you're at home all day long with your kids, uh, who may or may not be bickering all day, or making a mess, or breaking something, it's hard to feel like, oh, this is it, you know, I'm living this beautiful creative life with my children and but the truth is like every moment counts you know we intentionally as a couple decided that we were going to not only value creativity for ourselves um, but that we wanted to value it as a family and to make space for our kids you know we have an art uh, a studio kind of slash school room that at any point when they're feeling creative, they can just go and have access to markers and colors and paper. Um, we have, you know, a big garden and we have some some chickens and it's just kind of one of those things of just kind of in every aspect of our life, how can we really be responsible and intentional? And art's just been something that's gotten me through happy times and sad times and it's been therapy and it's been communion with the Holy Spirit. It's just been absolutely invaluable to me and I can't imagine raising my kids and not giving them that same gift, you know, not teaching them how deeply it can change their life.
one of the most fun things is all being outside together, even if we're working. If we're out there and Amy and I are pouring bags of mulch or digging a new garden bed or building something out, you know, for the chickens. And they're just really, really pumped to be out there just helping us. I think we just really, really hope that they are learning this kind of incarnational living aspect that really lets them be who they are. For me, I want my kids to succeed in doing what they love. I want them to value the gifts that God's given them because they are incredibly creative. They're incredibly talented in their own ways. My youngest, Given, is a phenomenal storyteller. He comes up with these multi-dimensional epic sagas that I would never expect to hear come out of a six-year-old's mouth. Um, or Ransom when he sits and plays and he'll play these incredible songs and then he'll come tell us later how God is confusing. And I don't always understand God. And I'm not sure I really get everything that the Bible is telling me or everything I learn at church. But when I play piano, I just feel something come over me and I just feel like God's in the room with me. For me, pursuing art is just really another way of pursuing, pursuing God and understanding His heart. And so if I can help my kids along that path, then I think that's probably the best thing I can do as a parent. Ecclesia, I love stories like that. I, I don't know what's keeping your family occupied, but I hope that in the busyness of life, uh, that this summer you could slow down. You could get to the beach. You could take some long walks. You could create some things together uh, that maybe you've never even thought of. There are so many opportunities as a church for us to serve one another well as families. I'm so blessed uh, at the people that I get to serve with on this staff. Uh, many of them have committed their lives to parent their kids well and also to expand their families, often through foster care and adoption. And I'm grateful that our brother Stephen Hicks leads this church and campus with beauty and love and integrity. But even more so, what I love about Stephen and his wife Kate is that they long uh, to live out their lives for their kids and raise them in the Ecclesia community in a way that would shape them for the better. I'd ask Stephen to close out with some thoughts as we come to communion. And uh, you may not realize it, but the selflessness in which he serves is a gift. And you don't clap very often, you don't need to, but for Stephen, I would love for you to give him a really, really warm welcome for all the many things that he does for you that you just would never know. You guys cut it out. Uh, I've got to tell you, my family and I just returned from a week on the beach, and so I am recharged and ready to take this thing another half hour. Um, but you all uh, look like you're ready for brunch, so I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to try to be a little quicker than that. Uh, in August of 2006, I walked through the doors uh, into Ecclesia for the first time, and there was, there was something that stuck out with me, that there was just this wide-ranging, ragtag bunch of folks uh, that were from all walks of life from all sorts of places around the world and who had a passion and love for Jesus that was immediately just so, so, so attractive. And, uh, and so that was hammered home the first time that I was sitting in a gathering and a baby does what a baby does, they just kind of cry out. And Chris says something along the lines of like, if that bothers you, the problem is you, uh, find a new church. 
And I was like, I'm at home. This guy can preach. Um, and there was this sense that we do, we belong together. And so I have loved, uh, for the years that I've been here, um, the ways in which we celebrate the uniqueness of our kids and that we recognize the significance uh, that they hold among us in this journey of, of faith together. Um, I don't know about you guys, but these stories are remarkable. Um, to watch Hannah grow from this young, um, beautiful girl into a young adult woman, making such a significant contribution in the lives of others, it's, it's remarkable. Um, I'm so, so proud of her. And the Sanchez family, my gosh, such a talented, uh, creative uh, bunch who is so intentionally giving their love for art and beauty and creativity uh, to their kids is amazing. Uh, to see Ransom making music, I mean, guys, he's nine years old, uh, it's awesome. And chickens, my goodness, today's like the day, I'm telling my wife, like, we're getting chickens today. We're gonna do this, and the wheels come off at my house uh, soon after. Um, it's amazing to hear these stories of ways in which um, individuals are, are experiencing the love and transformation uh, of Jesus. Um, can I tell you a little bit about my crew? I'll start, uh, start with my wife. Uh, we were introduced here in this community about nine years ago by her dad. That's kind of odd. Um, so it was practically arranged marriage, a little handshake deal. Um, and what you need to know about Kate is that she is fiercely loyal and she's an amazing, uh, beautiful woman. She's been a teacher, a bilingual teacher and an educator uh, and has worked in social development and, and she is awesome. But let me introduce you to our, uh, to our little crew here. Uh, so this is Fiel. Uh, she turned six last Saturday and we celebrated her birthday uh, on the beach. She is her namesake. She is faithful and loyal, and she's a remarkable human. Uh, when she grows up, she wants to be a mom, and she also wants to work at Whataburger. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Uh, this recent sale has me a little trouble, but she wants to work at Whataburger. I'm down. Um, this is Florence. Uh, Florence will be four in August. Don't let this, uh, this picture fool you. Um, she, too, is her namesake. She's radiant and blossoming. Um, we're just not sure what because she is a pistol. I mean, she is a firecracker. Um, she wants, uh, she loves Jose Altuve, first and foremost, and she wants to grow up to, <laughs> to be a pirate. Uh, so, so we're gonna do our best uh, to steer her in that direction. Uh, and then this handsome young man is Jeremiah, and we were introduced to Jeremiah uh, a little over a year ago. And uh, after about six months of getting to provide foster care to Jeremiah last October, we were, um, we were able to finalize an adoption. And so uh, Jeremiah is two, uh, his name's Jeremiah Alexander, and that was his given name, and that is exalted by God and the defender of men. And so whatever he decides to be when he grows up will be awesome. And, uh, and he gets whatever he wants, uh, at least in my book. So I'll walk around just saying I'm sorry a lot and just handing him whatever he wants. Um, but this is our crew, and we spent the last week uh, on the beach. We are blessed. Uh, it's easy to see that. And so we had a great uh, week being together. Um, but here is the crew that was on the beach, a little bit of an extended group. It's my mom in the middle and my brother and his wife uh, and kids on the side, and so we had we had a blast. It was uh, a week with the waves and with the beach toys and the chairs and the wagon and stories and fun. And we had the College World Series going. My Red Raiders got thumped. Um, we had obnoxiously loud country music playing on the beach. 
we had very, very cold drinks, delicious and cold, and we had a blast. Um, uh, but what you need to know is the last time that this group was together in that place was, was four years ago, and there would have been a larger-than-life character right there next to my mom, um, my dad. Uh, he passed suddenly and sadly um, sh- uh, shortly after that trip four years ago. And so, so there, were, there were parts of the week that were tender and hard and sad, but it was so good for us, it was so good for our kids to get to be together, tell stories, again, to laugh, tell stories about Daddy Paw, um, to build sandcastles, uh, to read books and share meals and do bedtime all together in one big room. Um, there were six kids under 10, guys. It was chaos. But we had a blast. And so on the heels of a week like that, um, these ideas of, of being intentional with our kids and hoping to leave a legacy which is their unique faith and love in Jesus. It's so fresh. And so um, I wanted to just provide just a quick encouragement for us today. Um, we are so blessed to do what we do in this space week after week after week, to come together and in a similar way to pause and to recalibrate and to pray, to sometimes listen to the rain and to worship and to hear from the scriptures And sometimes it's just too easy to come and go and slide into communion and slide out and get to the next thing. And so I wonder if we could just pause and reflect on the words and the story from Matthew 18 today, where Jesus, who who came preaching and teaching that his kingdom was at hand and that it was here and it was now, he reminds his followers, he says, the only way that you're going to experience my kingdom is to be like these little ones, to be low and to be meek and to be humble, to be curious like those little ones among us, to be full of joy and passion, to be full of sass. We got a lot of sassy pants running around our house these days. But to be full of love and kindness and innocence. And I wonder, Ecclesia, what it would be like for us to find ourselves in the same low and humble and vulnerable position as Jesus invites his followers into in that place, to see ourselves as those who are, who are deeply and desperately in need of the care of a father, and yet who are loved exactly as we are by the one who created us. I wonder what it would be like for us to go to that place this morning. And from there, I wonder what it would be like for us to re-engage or maybe engage for the first time with the little ones in our midst to welcome them with the radical love of Jesus, to invite them close, to name their gifts and to name their unique presence among us, and then to point them toward the values of honesty, of kindness, of the wonder of learning, of the beauty of creativity. That's what those stories from Hannah and Edward and Amy are full of. And I wonder what it would be like for us to each come and to pause and then to be sent away to live that life together. And so as we reflect on that story in the scriptures and these stories from our friends, those who are being transformed by God's goodness and grace, I wanna just offer a quick prayer for you and then we'll come to the table and celebrate. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for this day, for the chance to gather as a family, as those who are deeply loved by you. 
And we thank you for the ways that you continue to gift us with the presence of beautiful, young, and new lives around us, reminding us of your miracle working each day as a new child enters this community. God, we thank you for the simple rhythms that we hold, rhythms that remind us of your presence among us and your love for us, to be real, to be kind, to seek beauty and to seek you, God, to show your hospitality to others and to serve one another. Jesus, we ask that you would form us together today as your body here on earth to better resemble your ways, your love, your kindness, and your grace. And we ask that you would give us the intentionality to share these rhythms of living in your love with the children around us, that their presence would remind us that you are with us, that you'd help to guide us into your kingdom together. Jesus, we thank you for this bread and for this wine and juice, your body broken and your blood shed for us. Thank you that you love us so. And may we taste and see and remember today, God, that you are good and that we are now those who live in your forgiveness. We pray these things together in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.